be seated. We're going to invite all the evangelism teams, and I know Brett and Sean and Joshua have given me some good news tonight of the people getting saved. I know tonight already about 12 people have made a response to the gospel on the streets tonight already. And, uh, you know, I can't wait till all of the teams come up. I can't wait till the sunshine comes out, gets a bit warmer, and we see you guys on the street, amen. And then we see lots more people receiving Jesus. Because out there on the street, there's not so many people uh, getting saved because there's not so many people on the street. But uh, when the sunshine comes out and all these evangelists and you guys are out on the streets, we're going to be seeing hundreds and hundreds of people respond to the gospel. And uh, so, Brett, you're out there tonight. Come and tell us quickly, you know, you said seven people. I didn't really read your text too well because it was in tongues. But uh, seven, nine people responded. Tell us just in a nutshell, a few people who responded tonight. Uh, we're thankful for the Lord tonight. Um, we had uh, Matt come out and sung on the on the street with us, and we had a drama team. Uh, we had nine decisions that uh, people made for the Lord. So you had a drama that was different from what you usually do. Quite quite different. We just uh, followed your advice. Actually, we sort of well, we tried to, but people were sort of quite hot and fire and sort of going away. But God prevailed in the end. Hallelujah. And uh, we're thankful for the Lord that there's seven people that have come off the street that are sitting amongst us. I'd like us to give them a warm welcome tonight. Yeah. Uh, one story, I, I, there's lots of stories. For me, I was, um, you know, I was sort of hosting the, the outreach, so I didn't really talk to anybody. Is there anybody from your team who led someone to Christ tonight? Yep, Emerson. These people, do they have names? I haven't seen you on evangelism. What's your name? Um, this is my second time. Second time. Well, that's because that's you're new. So tell us tonight. You were with Brett, were you? Um, yeah, I was in the mixed team. In Labrador Grove. So tell us what happened tonight. Oh, I wasn't meant to go tonight. Uh, my friend told me to me that you have to go. And I was praying. I said, God, I'm just going to go. Just use me for your glory. And I went there and I saw two young men. And then... You can turn the microphone up a little bit. Daniel, yep. I know you have to quiet it down for me, but you turned up for this lady. <laughs> yeah, and, <clears throat> and I saw two young men, and I started talking to them. And I, I talked to one of them, and I, I asked him, how are you? He was just laughing. And then I was asking, um, how are you with the law? He was like, fine. And then I was like, um, do you pray? Do you go to church? He was like, yeah, but I said, but wow, look at your smile. God loves you. And then I started talking to them, and I asked him his name. And he said, my name is Fabrice. I said, where are you from? I'm from Congo. So oh, I'm from Congo too. And then we start talking in French, in French. And I said to them, you guys need to come to church with me. They're like, no, 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 no. And I said, where are you going? You going to your girl? No, tell them to wait. You need to go to church tonight. And then they were like, oh, yeah, but I'm not sure. I said, no, you have to come. And then I start talking to them, talking to them. And they were like, okay, do you know why? Yeah, you win. We're coming with you. So they oh, so they're here tonight. God bless you guys. You're, you're most welcome. Awesome. So you thoroughly enjoyed your experience tonight? Pardon? Yeah, yeah. Enjoy. So and you're coming back for a third time? Yeah, of course. Hallelujah. That's awesome. One more person from Brett's team. Yeah. Let's give her a hand as she comes. What's your name? Um, Michelle. Michelle. Emisha. What, what happened tonight, Emisha? Uh, we were evangelizing with um, Ildiko and we led three guys to the Lord. Um, three guys? That's amazing. Three guys, just like, who are these three guys? Um, 
one was a sports instructor and he was just hanging around in a bus stop and then he turned back when we were there and just started talking to him and then eventually he accepted the Lord. When you say he accepted the Lord, I mean, what do you mean? What actually took place in him accepting the Lord? Well, we explained the difference between religion and uh, the true um, faith. And then it seems to be that, you know, he understood. <laughs> and uh, we led into the prayer and then he opened up about his uh, life and family, what's going on. So you actually prayed with him in the street, in the rain, in the cold to receive Jesus. Yes, we did. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, praise God. And um, there were another two guys, uh, they were 17 and friends, and um, so we spoke to them as well. And again, the same happened. Some 17-year-old boys? Yeah. That's, wow. that's amazing. That's awesome. At the end, you got more, more stories? <laughs> well, we didn't, but what happened that we were going to leave, and then uh, we came back. And um, there was, I think, Brett was preaching or music was going on and there were some people um, just, you know, looking what's going on. So we just explained quickly and asked if they wanted to come to church so we came with us. I mean, they left now, but we have the contact details and everything. That's an awesome work tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Joshua, where's Joshua disappeared to? Joshua, oh, here you are. Joshua, you are out tonight. Now come. Joshua, you are out tonight. You went out with Sean's team. So tell us, I know that Sean said about three people responded. Was it in Notting Hill Gate or somewhere else? Tell us about it. I think it was four. Um, to show. But one thing I like about the event in uh, Notting Hill Gate is uh, Sean, myself, and Roderick. Roder, sorry, is my brother. I don't know his name. <laughs> sorry, all right. Ro yeah. And, <laughs> and one thing we, we enjoy is like we, Sean preached, I preached and he preached. We all preach about the cross, Sean preach about the love of God, I preach about uh, sin that, you know, make a separation from, from God, and he preached as well. I mean, doesn't that irritate people, though? You're preaching in the middle of the street. Doesn't that irritate, or does that really work? Yeah, well, the first five minutes, a guy wanted to, I think he wanted to slap Sean. He said, <laughs> really want, I, I said, oh, we're going to go for a fight here, but thank God he's, he left, and he ran away. I say, well, praise God, you know, we want him saved, but still praise God. So, so one thing I like, we, keep, we kept preaching, and the other team were evangelizing, and we, we saw the breakthrough. We saw the well, that, that's often what you've got to do in evangelism. You've got to keep pressing and keep pushing through, because often when you arrive, there's persecution. Anything that can happen, and guys shouting or whatever, but the more you continue to persist, then that's when the salvation comes. So tell us the breakthrough eventually came. Yeah, so... For 45 minutes, Sean, myself, and, and Redell preached, and the other part of the team evangelized. We really felt like, I mean, Sean will tell you, we really felt like the atmosphere changed, completely changed. And Notting Hill Gate has been touched tonight. Hallelujah. And uh, there's one lady, she wanted me to share a testimony. I, I don't think, I think she had to go home. Yep, there's, there's another one, if I can, yeah. The other one, she said, well, because she evangelized while we were preaching, and uh, she was so touched by the simplicity of the gospel. She said she presented her the gospel, Jesus, down the cross for your sin. He loves you. And he said, you want prayer? She said, yes, I want, I, I want Jesus. And when she finished praying, she started to cry. She wasn't into tears. Who is this lady? Um, Some lady led another lady to God. But who, who is the lady? Was she old, young lady? Well, 
I don't know if she was young or old. She just... <laughs> no, because Sean told me, Joshua, you, you shared a testimony. He didn't tell me anything. So I had to run after the soul winners. Uh, but she, I don't know if she was young or old. But one thing I know, she gave her heart to Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she said... She wanted to come today, but she, she will follow up and she will. And there's another one she said she will come to the, to the event. Um, this was my life. And uh, it was really good at Notting Hill Gate. We really enjoyed tonight. Wow, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Let's give Jesus praise for that. One of the things that we recognize with these, these testimonies is that there's lost people out there that are ready to receive Jesus. Now, many people may be shared the gospel, handed out tracts, they may receive the literature and never respond at that moment. But there are people, when the teams go out, who are ready to respond, just like this lady tonight. Now, tell us, you are part of Sean's team, tell us briefly what happened out there as well. Yes, actually, I'm also in Sean's team, and um, I had the wonderful pleasure and joy to have led two people to Christ tonight. One is a young Iraqi man, his name is Amit. Although I couldn't pick up his phone contact number because he's a visitor, he's just uh, staying here for two months as a tourist. But he really immediately gave his heart to the, to the Lord. It was so um, spontaneous. And by the way, we kept his name. And then when the evangelism session actually had finished, because Sean gathered us all to pray, okay, we just split up. But I, I, I said to them, you know, okay, I'm going to see you in a few minutes in church. I'm going to McDonald's to have a hot drink. And as I was sitting there, Actually, there was a nice uh, young lady uh, next to me, Filipino girl. She was smiling at me, and I just started to entertain in conversation. And it just came. The word, you know, came to me to preach to her, and she gave her life to Christ. And I uh, put the name and phone number, everything. She was happy, and glory to God. Keep her happy. Just a second. Just a second. He just said, I mean, that's amazing. You went out of the cold into the warm, got yourself a hot drink, led this Filipino lady to Christ. But you said the word... That God gave. What word did God give you to preach to this lady? Um, basically, uh, she was really smiling at me, and I, I just asked her what was her name. You know, um, what was she doing there? And, and you know, um, and um, she, um, yeah. She, I mean, uh, I just um, because I was still holding some tracks in my hands, I just told her that I'm a Christian, and I, if she actually, I asked her right away if she ever heard of Jesus Christ, and she said yes. And then, um, you know, I just gave her my testimony, and she was really touched because I just led her, I invited her to, um, to lead her in a small prayer. She said, okay, yes, I want to, I want to pray. So we prayed, and that's all. Um, wow, that's awesome. You know, just through one smile, that story, just through one smile, she was, this lady was smiling at you, and then you just engage her in conversation, and right there on the spot, she prays to receive Jesus. So we've got to use our opportunities in evangelism as well. If someone's just smiling, then engage them in conversation. Now, Beverly, I know that you are out tonight with a, it's at Shepherd's Bush with a Paul, and uh, they put you forward tonight. So tell us, I know there's about three other people who responded in Shepherd's Bush, but tell us one story tonight of what happened. Um, I spoke with a young lady that was um, seeing her mother and her brother off at the tube station, and she was on her way home. Um, I initially tried to invite her to the Easter production, but she said that she'd seen that flyer in the job centre. Somebody had left those um, flyers for the production in the job centre. So, so the job centre is doing evangelistic work? I believe so. And um, she said that she picked up the flyer and she really wanted to come. So the fact that I was trying to invite her to the production, she felt that um, it was, yeah, she felt that um, we were meant to meet. So I began to uh, share the gospel with her, 
and um, she said that uh, she's, she's actually been reading um, Christian-themed books, and she wants to know more about God. Um, she wants to know who, she, um, yeah, she wants to know more about God. Um, so I said that she, she can receive salvation right now, um, that Christ, you know, Christ paid the price for her sins. He died for her. Um, and um, she said she's ready. She's ready to receive God. So um, we prayed the prayer of salvation. And I took her details, and I'll be following her up this week. We're going to meet for coffee. That's awesome. That's awesome. It is an awesome story. So this lady, she picks a, a track, This Is Your Life, in the job center. She knows that God's on her case. She meets you again at the station. She's waiting for her, her daughter yeah, at the station. And right there, she meets you, and you share the gospel with her. And then she realizes it's the right time for her to commit her life. And right there on the spot, she gives her life to the Lord. Um, the other thing is she um, suffers from depression and she said that, um, she suffers from anxiety as well. So she doesn't normally like talking. She feels uncomfortable speaking to people and uh, being around groups. So she said literally she was just going to the station and quickly rushing off. But she felt that she had to speak to me. And um, yeah, she really felt that it was, it was God and it was the right time. So um, yeah, we thank God. Amen. We thank God for divine appointments. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise for all of the people who responded in the evangelism team. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Isn't that wonderful? You know, that last te testimony is excellent because it's God that saves, isn't it? Uh, he uses us, but it's he that saves. And so in that particular testimony, it was clear that God was on her case. And we have to realize that God uses us in different ways to reach out to people. Sometimes, Paul says in Corinthians, doesn't it? Sometimes we reap, sometimes we sow the seed. And so be encouraged, whether you're sowing seed or whether you find yourself in a, in a reaping situation. That person in the job center had no idea the seed that she sowed and how that would cause a soul to be brought to Christ very soon. And so the big thing is, is to be used of God. Whatever you can do to make a difference for Christ in someone else's life, do it. Whatever you can do this week, whatever you can do in your workplace, uh, a word to your neighbor, whatever you can do, if it's a cup of coffee, if it's a prayer, if it's sharing the gospel, if it's sowing seeds of friendship, whatever you can do, do it, because God is just looking for people that will do it, and then he will anoint it. Isn't that wonderful? Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to have a short time of preaching, and then we're going to move in to some ministry time, and the ministry team will be ready to share words of knowledge, prophetic words. God wants to touch people's lives tonight. And we want to make room for that. It'll also, during that time of ministry, it'll be time for us to worship the Lord and, and come close to Him again in His presence. But Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is really a follow-on word from the word that I brought last Sunday evening. And last Sunday evening, I spoke on being in the world, but not of it. And I was mentioning that's what God wants us. He wants us to be in the world, but not of it. But often, Christians aren't in the world, but not of it. 
some Christians are not in the world. They're living in some cocooned existence where they don't know any Christians. They don't have any intention of going into the world to get to know people. They just want to stay in a cotton wool environment with other Christians. They're not in the world and not of the world. And then we have other Christians, and uh, they're in the world, and they're of the world. They're worldly Christians. But God wants there to be a distinction. He wants us to be engaged with the world around us. Uh, The problem is, is when the church, that's us, disengage from the world, what happens? The world goes to hell. Not only that, but when you disengage from the world or people in the world, you might, you're handing society over to the enemy. You're handing society over to, to false religion. When we disengage, we're basically handing people and the world over to the enemy. We have to be in the world. Jesus, didn't, Jesus when he prayed, he says, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world because he needs us in the world. But he says, but I pray that you protect them in the world. And he says, they are not of the world. Now, that's the big thing. What does it mean not to be of the world? Well, it doesn't just mean that you're saved. When you give your life to Jesus, when you truly believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose again, then you are saved. You're a new creation, and you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light forever. You're no longer of the world. But not being of the world and being saved, the next step, and this is what I want to follow on tonight, the next step is the renewal of the mind. Because you can be saved and not have a renewed mind. And so here, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is what is that that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So here in this powerful few verses at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, we see that Paul is pleading, beseeching with the church that's at Rome to not be conformed to the world around them, but on the contrary, to be transformed. And the first thing that he says is, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is, your, which is your reasonable service, a living sacrifice. When Paul says present yourself as a living sacrifice, obviously in the back of his mind he's thinking 
of the temple sacrifices that have been taking place for so many years. And in the temple sacrifices, you would take the animal and the animal would be burnt and would be sacrificed on the altar. And Paul is saying that we should see ourselves as living sacrifices. The sacrifices were killed and put on the altar for God. But Paul is not asking us to commit some sort of weird uh, cult suicide pact, but he's asking us to see ourselves as living sacrifices and to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Now, this isn't just, of course, talking about the way that we use our bodies in purity, but actually it's talking about the fact that, that the choices that we make with what we do in our bodies should be made sacrificially to God. So, for example, your bodies are in church tonight. You made that choice. And I hope you're, in, you're enjoying the presence of God, and, uh, and I hope, you know, that you get a word that speaks to you, and I hope later on that there's some ministry in your life. But you chose to be in the house of God. You didn't need to bring your body in the house of God tonight. Many people didn't. Many people chose not to come on Sunday night, and some of those reasons may be valid and some of them may not be valid before the throne of God. So what we do in our bodies, the way that we utilize our bodies, God is saying a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. We've presented our bodies tonight here at this service to worship God. Yes, we're here to be ministered to, but really we're here to minister to God, aren't we? Uh, one of the things that we have to change our mind about and have a renewal of the mind is that this is not all about us. This is all about him. And Colin spoke a very powerful word in the services this morning. If you weren't in the services tomorrow, this morning, I would really encourage you to watch that on the internet. It'll be up in the next couple of days. And he was talking about how, um, in, and speaking from 1 Corinthians and how there was a message being preached by false apostles, and the message was a popularistic message, and the message was, it's all about you. It's all about your needs, your wants. That's what faith is all about. And, and Colin was saying that, Paul was saying, well, that's funny because we apostles seem to be the least amongst you. And one of the messages message that Colin was bringing is this, is that, Actually, it's not about what God can do for you. Thank God, and we're going to see that tonight. But actually, when it really comes down to it, it's not about what God can do for you. It's about what you can do for God. And that's why here it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I mean, I could go along this line a lot more. I don't need to. But, for example, um, the, the Grace for the City meeting on Tuesday evening next week. Will our bodies be there? Will we sacrifice to be there, or will we uh, decide, ah, no, I don't need to go, it'll be something else? What would be the will of God? What, what about using our bodies and the choices of where to be and what to do to glorify God and to take our place to build the house? Not just to receive from the house, but to be part of building the house. Later on in the, verse, the last few verses I read, it spoke about being part of the body, part of the ministry. In order to be part of an effectively growing and ministering body of Christ, you have to be a living sacrifice. Otherwise, what will happen is you will come and you will take 
but you won't give. And I'm not talking about finances right now. God needs bodies because his body is made up of living stones. And what are the living stones? We are the living stones. And if the living stones never come together, how can we build? So when we have a cell meeting, the living stones are coming. And it's not about a meeting, but it's about living stones coming together. And Jesus said, when two or three Christian bodies, that's just who you are, you know, are together, there I am with them. So when we gather as two or, two or three, when as a living sacrifice, we say, I'm going to come together in cell, Jesus is there in a way that he won't be there if you're just by yourself. The Lord is always with you, but not in the same way that he is when you gather with two and three others. Otherwise, what's the point in saying when two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there? Why don't you just say, well, I'll be there anyway if they're just by themselves? No, there's a dynamic and a release of the anointing and the building of church when two or three gather together. And uh, the same when we have congregational meetings. And also the same when we have apostolic meetings like the Grace for the City. It's not just another meeting we we're hoping to have a few more people at at another venue. Don't think naturally about these things. Think spiritually. The church is not a building. The church is the gathered people. And the church is not just a gathered people in a cell, but it's gathered in congregation. It's gathered in celebration. It's gathered in convocation. Where the different kinds of gatherings take place, there the church of God is being built. So we should not see cells, congregations, special events like Grace for the City. We should not just see them as meetings. Shall I go to a meeting or not? If we, if we look at it like that, we are totally missing the spirituality of what church is. Shall I go to a meeting or not? That, 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 is, that is the lowest level of understanding church. No, it's the gathering of living stones. We might be in a building here together, but we are gathered and we are living stones. And thank God for those of you that are joining us on internet, especially those of you living stones from other parts of the world. But some of you living stones should be here tonight. No, seriously, you should be here tonight. Because if you were here tonight, you'd be part of building something together. Your presence does make a difference. Amen. I mean, what if there's only three of us here tonight? That would be a great revival service, wouldn't it? No, I'm just saying we need to see a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. So when you go to cell, you're presenting your body. When you come to a congregation meeting, you're presenting your body. And when you present your body to the Lord, it's a sacrifice. You make decisions to do things that you wouldn't normally do, to visit your neighbor that you might not normally do. To, to spend time with your colleague after work that you might not normally do. But you're saying, my body is a living sacrifice. It's here for God. My body is, is a living stone. It's part of the church. And what God wants me to do with this body in this short time on earth is going to be for him. And listen to this. this is the, I love the way Paul puts it. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God. And then here it comes. Which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. What I wonder what God considers our reasonable service to him and what we consider 
our reasonable service to him. Because I'm not speaking about anyone that's here tonight, but there are many Christians up and down the country who believe that their reasonable service to God is to attend one Sunday morning service a week. True or false? That that is their reasonable service to God. But what is reasonable? What is reasonable? Well, what Paul is saying is, well, what would be reasonable for what God has done for you? What would be your reasonable response and service to God? What, what would be reasonable? What would make sense? Well, what would make sense? If, when you think about what God did for us, when you step back to the familiar and see the holiness and the glory of the gospel, when you step back from being used to the gospel and being saved for a while and think that God so loved you that he sent his only son into the earth, and that his son carried your sins and died on the cross, a painful death for you, and then rose again, that if you simply believe in him, he'll give you a free gift of salvation. And that if God did not send his son into the earth, you would not be saved, and you would have a future destiny of eternal perdition and damnation in hell. When you think God couldn't have given you anything more than his own son. It was the only thing that he couldn't replace. Like, God could give you the whole world, but then he could create another one in its place. God could give you all the wealth of the world, but then he could just create more wealth. God could have sent an angel for you, but then he could create another angel. You hear what I'm saying? It, God gave you something that was uncreated, something that could not be replaced. God gave you his only begotten son, his only son, his only son, uncreated, the son that was fully God from the beginning, the mystery and beauty of the, of the Trinity, one being, three persons, eternally together. And God the Father sent his son, and his son willingly went and went with that one life and became a man. I mean, just the, ama the amazing thing that God became man. I mean, just stop there. That God would become like us. That God would so dignify us as human beings, whoever we are, that he would become like us. That he would say, I love you so much. I've created you as the pinnacle of my creation. And, and one day I'm going to come and become one of you because I love you so much. The dignity of humanity, the dignity of every human being, because every human being is sacred. Every human being has dignity. Why? Because God became a human being to save human beings and then to give his life as a sacrifice for you. What would be our reasonable response? Remember what I said earlier at Colin's message that this isn't really, once you're saved, the big learning curve is this. This really isn't about you. It's really not about you and your wants. It's really not about you and your preferences and what you like and what you dislike. And you like to do this and you don't like to do it. It's really not about you. It's about God and our reasonable service to him. Now, of course, I'm a human too. And that cuts against the flesh. 
and especially in modern day Christianity, which in the Western world is largely ineffective. How many of you have realized that the Church of Great Britain is ineffective? Now, we can talk up the things that happen, but let's talk about 60-odd million people and the difference that we're making in their lives. Let's talk about this great city of London and this tiny building that we're in tonight. Let's think of all those people that are out there, and thank God you went out and, and, and reached them on the streets. And thank God God has put you in a place where you have people that you can minister to. Think of the millions, six million people in London, and uh, a tiny little church like this is not full. You see, we are not, the church of Great Britain is not effective. Thank God for the things that happen, but they're tiny little things. They're insignificant things. We're not, we're not God's victorious army marching out to war. We, we are insipid, weak, and ineffective. And the vast majority of Christians are totally ineffective in every, every way, type, or form. All they want is Christianity on their terms. That's their acceptable service to God, is give me more. There's no sense of thanksgiving for what God has done for them. No sense of holiness or glory. No sense of the fact that Jesus died for them and what would be our reasonable response. But we go to what we want, when we want, how we want, if we want, and then we complain about what we get. Now, I'm not speaking to you as individuals. You understand, I'm speaking into the atmosphere of British church. You have to judge yourself where you are. I'm not making any um, accusations against any of us. And, you know, I'd be the last to, to cast the first stone. Do you know what I'm saying? But I'm speaking into this situation. And the reason is, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Most Christians are conformed to the pattern of thinking of this world. They've got saved, they go to church, but their mind has not truly been transformed. Let me ask you a question, and this is a direct question. Has your mind really been thoroughly renewed and transformed from what it was? I know you're a Christian here tonight if you believe that Jesus died. I know that. I would never doubt your salvation. Salvation is easy to receive. It cost God everything, but salvation is so easy to receive because what? It's a free gift. Isn't a free gift easy to receive? You just receive it. Salvation's easy. Anybody can get saved. Once you're saved, the question now is, have you been transformed? Or are you roughly the same type of person before, but saved? You see, one of the things the Bible says is that the battle for us, once we get saved, the battle is the battle of the mind. We began this year with a conference with our senior minister speaking about strongholds. And you know, the greatest strongholds are not external. You can say, oh, we've got to bind the devil of this place and bind that, that uh, principality. And, and often when we talk about strongholds, people are always looking out to try and find the strongholds to bind. The greatest strongholds are in the mind. 
the greatest strongholds that I personally face are in here. And the future success and, and vision of God for my life is going to be won or lost in this little brain here, in my mind. It's got nothing to do with some external outward demon, but it's got to do with have I been transformed? Have there been a deliverance in the way that my mind works and the way that, that my mind thinks? Hallelujah. You see, your... your you are when, when you become a Christian, this is, this is what happens. When you give your life to God, you become born again. It's not just, oh, I, I, I'm a Christian now because I go to church. It's more powerful than that. Oh, I'm a Christian now because I said a prayer. It's more powerful than that. If you truly believe in your heart and confess in your mouth, with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, died for your sins and is rose again, you're saved. But if you truly believe that, something has happened on the inside. You are born again. You on the inside are raised spiritually from the dead. Ephesians says that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. Well, I wasn't dead. I can talk. I can walk. Spiritually dead. But when we believed, Christ raised us spiritually from the dead. We are born again. That means that if you're a born-again Christian today, and there's only one type of Christian, by the way, it's a born-again one. Oh, are you one of those born-again Christians? There only, there only is such a thing. All Christians are born again. Oh, I'm not one of those born-again Christians. I'm a different type of Christian. No, you're not. You need to get saved. You're either born again or you're not born again. It's as simple as that. So when someone starts saying, are you one of those born-again Christians, says, it's the only kind there is. And when you're born again, what happens is your spirit is made perfectly saved forever. Your spirit is now saved. You are a new creation. Now, what part of you is a new creation? Is it your body? No. Is it your mind? Not yet. What is it? It is your spirit. So when you're a Christian, you have been saved you're born again, new creation. Your spirit is perfect. But also, you are being saved. What does that mean? Am I being saved to go to heaven? No, 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 no. You're going to heaven because you're born again. But now, God wants to take that salvation in your spirit and wants to wash your mind so that you can enjoy living saved. You're in the world, but you're not of it. So what has to happen is this. Your mind now needs to catch up with your spirit. Your spirit's saved. But your mind needs to be renewed, washed, transformed, and to come in line with your spirit. So that's where the work is on earth. And of course, your body. When you're a Christian, is your body saved? No. No. Unfortunately, the moment that you're born again you don't suddenly get six-pack muscles. Hair turns back to its proper color without dye. Wrinkles disappear. Well, it'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I'll tell you what, people would be getting saved. There'd be revival, wouldn't they? Get saved. If the moment you were born again, your body was saved. No, the Bible tells us 
that although our, uh, although our inner man is being renewed every day or meant to be renewed, the outer body. Because why? Because we have been saved. We're born again. We are being saved, the renewal of the mind. And we shall be saved, the body. The body will only be saved on the day of resurrection. And on the day of resurrection, that acorn of a body that you've got will be in a twinkling of an eye transformed into a mighty glorified oak. Amen. So thank God for healing because healing is a sign that one day your body will be raised from the dead. Um, But we're focusing on the central bit, what God wants to do now. You have been saved, so we don't have to worry about that. Your body eventually will be saved, so we're going to have to wait from that. So what's going on now in your life? It is the renewal of the mind and the transformation. What is going on now? What the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives is to do a great work in the way that we think, in the way that we understand. It wants to change our worldview and the way that we see things, how things work. Um, Also, in our value systems, what we value and what we don't value will tell us how renewed our mind is. So if we don't value the things of God, we don't have a renewed mind. And all this links back to present your bodies. Because a renewed mind will utilize the body for the glory of God, correct? But an unrenewed mind will utilize the body for the flesh, for fleshly thinking. And I'm not just talking like, oh, body, do you mean sex? No, I mean what you do with your body, where you are, what you choose to do with your time. All these things are indications. What, what you value... And what you do with your body on the earth will show yourself how renewed and transformed you are. And that's the key. So we can look at ourselves. And this isn't, I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to provoke and to encourage. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable. One of the biggest things that we have to tell ourselves is don't assume that because you think it's right, it is. Don't assume that because it feels good, therefore it is good. Don't assume that because it feels bad, therefore it is bad. Don't assume that positive emotions mean that something is positive and don't always assume that negative emotions mean that it's negative. What we need to do is wean ourselves off the feel-good factors. Because most of us have been brought up with the world view that if it feels good, do it. How can it be wrong? It feels good. Oh, I'm not doing that. It feels bad. Well, sometimes feeling bad is the good thing to do. Sometimes doing something you don't want to do can be the best thing for you in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not now reversing it and saying, God wants you to feel bad all the time. Come on, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, what determines our choices in life? What determines our actions in our bodies? What determines what we think and what we choose? 
It has to be increasingly the Word of God. Even if the Word of God doesn't seem to work. You see, this is where faith is. When you stand on the Word of God, even when it doesn't seem to work, but you know that it's true. Sometimes there's a time lag between the Word working and the Word manifesting. Sometimes there's a time lag and you're putting the Word to work, but you don't immediately see the Word coming back and blessing you. And again, we are a product of an instantaneous generation. I want it and I want it now. Do you know what? I mean, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven when Amazon did that like 24-hour thing. It's like, what? I order it today. And oh, if I order it now, it says in the next hour, if I order it, it'll be here by noon tomorrow. I thought, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. It is fantastic, but it's just reinforcing the instant generation. So instant. So I go into McDonald's, and if there's a queue of two people, I'm like, I can't be waiting around here. Anyway, you get up there, and it's like, oh, your chicken nuggets will just be a few minutes, sir. What? What do you mean? Well, what's a few minutes? Well, about three minutes. Three minutes? And you're standing there going, what? Well, this is meant to be McDonald's. Meant to be like three minutes for chicken nugget. And it's like, oh, thank And they apologize. You say, yes, you should. Three minutes. And instant coffee, and instant, and instant, and instant, and instant gratification, the quick fix, the shall I go out tonight to be with the Lord, or shall I go to sell, or shall I witness, or shall I, or shall I go for the quick fix, the instant gratification. And, and the way that society has wired us, you see, you're wired, and I am wired. Sometimes I look back at my education and my upbringing, and I think there was some really bad wiring going on during those days. You know when you get somebody and they come and do your house and they wire it really badly? You know, you, you put on the light switch and the oven comes on? You're thinking, what's going on, what's going on there? You know, you plug in the hoover and the bath starts running. I say, well, how can that work? Oh, that is bad. And you have to, we, have, we, we have to come to the place where we acknowledge. The first step is acknowledgement. There is some bad wiring in our minds. That's a massive step to come. If that's all you come to tonight, Christian, to a place where you think, do you know what? There's some bad wiring in my mind. There's some, my mind has got some crossed wires and bad, bad, and you begin to say, I need to look at my mind again. Because what tends to happen is, if you think it's right, then you think it's right. You have to stop and say, wait a second, maybe my thinking is wrong. Because the arrogance of human beings, including myself, is if you think it's right, it's right. Well, of course, because that's why you think it's right because you think it's right. You wouldn't think it's right and it'd be wrong, would you? And so we get to this place where we're making judgments about things and we're not coming to the Word of God and saying, will you check my wires, Holy Spirit? Will you check my wires? And then the Word of God or the challenge of God or the preaching of God comes to you and all of a sudden you find that there's, that there's, a, there's a short or a fuse because what God is saying is not what you're thinking or feeling or wanting. 
And now there's a conflict in your mind. There's a, it's what we call the battle for the mind. Joyce Meyer talks about it. Maurice Sorello has done some incredible teaching on it. The battle of the mind. What's going on? You've got a battle in your mind, in your thinking. It's the strongholds of the enemy are resisting the word of God. And so in your mind, there's this battle going on of, wh of where you're going to present your body, of how you're going to live, of the choices you're going to make. And the enemy wants strongholds in our mind. But God wants a renewal of a mind. And let's put it this way. Our minds have got such a long way to go. They need to be, our minds need to be thoroughly and totally re-educated by the Word of God. Because so often you meet people, sometimes I look at my own mind and I look at other people's minds, and I look at them and I think, they're, they're Christian, but their mind is non-Christian. Some pastors trying to build their church through non-Christian means. Preaching non-Christian values in order to get a non-Christian result. God will make you rich. God doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. God's going to give you everything you want. It's all about you. It's all about you. And the reaction is, praise the Lord. And it's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And sometimes you should surprise yourself. Sometimes I surprise myself by my own reactions to things. I go, what? Why would I react so negatively to the Word of God? And so one of the things that we have to do is to stop paying lip service to the Word of God and thinking that lip service is our reasonable and acceptable service. Lip service is meaningless to God. He's not interested in what your lips say unless you've got a heart and body to back it up. Jesus said, your lips honor me, but your hearts are far from me. And sometimes we can deceive ourselves with our own lips. We talk the talk, but God's not interested in us talking the talk. He wants us to walk the walk. Like the person James says that goes to the mirror, and the mirror is a picture of the Word of God, and looks into the mirror and in that mirror is a reflection, an accurate reflection of the mind and the heart. And looks in and sees and then goes away and forgets what they've just seen. That's the big danger for us all, for all of us, that we'll read the Bible and then go away and it'll be as if we've never read it. That we'll hear a challenging sermon like the one that Colin ministered today. But by Sunday, our mind is, you know, it's almost like, sometimes I see it almost like as a picture. Somebody like Colin could be preaching a powerful, challenging message. And it's like, I don't mean this about 11 o'clock, it's a picture. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not here to accuse, but I'm saying somebody could be preaching something like Colin. And it's like the sleeping saints come in, they're asleep. What do you mean spiritually asleep? The Bible speaks about spiritual sleep. It says, don't be asleep, be sober and alert. And so the people of God can come in. The spiritually, they sit down. Spiritually asleep. They've been asleep spiritually all week. But they got there, their body's there. And then all of a sudden, 
Colin starts preaching on the renewal of the mind or starts preaching. And all of a sudden, spiritually, they, they, they wait, what, what was that? And, and, and something's happening spiritually. There's, there's the voice of, of the Spirit. There's the Word of God being preached with anointing. And they're sort of awake and they hear it. And something inside them, their spirit, the born again bit, is going, amen, amen, amen. And their mind is, yeah, there's something in that. There's something in that. That's challenging me. Yeah, I can't deny that. That is, a, And then by the time they've reached Notting Hill Gate Station, <laughs> until next Sunday. And isn't that, it? and I think about that picture and I think about myself. And I think about how many times am I sleeping, snoring, spiritual snoring, and I'm snoring. And then I'm woken up, something penetrates my spirit. But instead of that renewing and working, what happens is the old mindset, the old man. Now, now the old man is crucified with Christ. You're a new man. The old man is dead and buried. You know what I'm saying? Who you were in Adam, who you were in Adam is dead, crucified with Christ. That's That's finished. But sometimes the mind still thinks like you're in Adam. The mind has to catch up with the spirit. And the only way the mind can do that is by the word of God. And so God is looking. The greatest need of the church in Britain today is transformation by the renewing of the mind. That is the good. And let's say to ourselves today and admit to ourselves today that where our minds should be and where they are today, there is a big credibility gap. And don't be discouraged about that because knowledge is the first step in renewal. What is worrying is when we get to the place where we think everything's all right, we think we're spiritual. We think we know what we're doing, and we are no longer open to challenge. And this is why he says to them, for I say in verse 3, through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. In other words, we have to come to God, to one another, and the Word, and say, where am I? Where am I? Because... If everybody's lukewarm, and I'm not saying everybody is, if everybody's lukewarm, then we all feel that we're hot. Ooh, lukewarm, lukewarm, lukewarm. Well, we, don't any, we don't even know what, what heat is. We're just used to lukewarm, you know. But you turn up, but is that, is that where God wants us? Is that where we are? Is, are we transformed? Are we hot for God? Are we on fire for the Lord? Are we really? Or are we just on fire compared to the backslidden one? It's like in Colin's book, People of Passion. The first half of that is all about this. And he says that we're to be thermostats, not thermometers. Thermometers simply reflect the climate that's around them. And too much in the churches and Christians of today, we are simply thermometers. Not just thermometers of lukewarm Christianity, we are, but thermometers of a backslidden world. 
we're just reflecting the temperature, thought patterns, values of the world. But God is wanting us to say, wait a second, I want to take the thermostat and set it to high. You say, what's high? The Word of God. I'm going to take, I'm going to take my lukewarm mind and I'm going to turn it to the temperature of the Word of God whether it feels good or not, I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice. Let's bow our heads in prayer. While we're bowing our heads in prayer, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up on the platform quietly behind me. If you're here in this place tonight, and your greatest need, you will have a transformed mind, but your greatest need is to be born again. That's your greatest need. Because without being born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So if with every head bowed, you're saying, I, I want to be born again. I want my sins forgiven. I want to know that if I die tonight, I'll go to heaven. You can know that once and for all. And all you have to do is say, yes, I do believe in my heart that Jesus died for my sins. I do believe he's raised from the dead. And if you believe that in your heart and say the prayer tonight from your heart, then you, my friend, have received the free gift of eternal life and your journey with God has begun. With every head bowed, if you're ready to make that prayer, lift your hand right where you are and I will pray for you. You say, tonight, yep, I am ready for you. Downstairs, a hand up. Anybody else upstairs, downstairs, just lift your hand. Yeah, over there. We... You're saying, tonight I'm ready. I want to be born again. I want my sins forgiven. Is there anyone else that's here? Amen. Wait, wait, right, that's wonderful. Come forward, come forward, come forward, come forward. What we're going to do now is we're going to go into a time of ministry and we're going to release some words of the Spirit, some spiritual gifts right now. And then once we've released these words, um, you can come specifically for the words that's been released and we'll pray for you. Or you might want to come for something that hasn't been spoken, but you want prayer for. And we're also going to go into a time of worship. So if the worship team could be getting ready. Okay, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to do and wants to say to us tonight. Who's, who's first? Yeah. I've got a word for someone who needs um, a word of encouragement. Someone is feeling down. And um, they need to be uplifted. And another one is someone, their shoulder on the right. Um, they've got a pain in it, an ache. Um, when I was preparing today, that's what I felt. Anyone with a shoulder on the right that needs prayer? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come in. Next. Um, there's a um, different situation in this place. Some people are going through like financial or accommodation or relationship and it has become a burden and the Lord is saying he's your, he's your burden bearer. So cast your burden onto him because he cares. Okay. If that's speaking to your position. Next. Nice and quick. Nice and quick. If we can just quickly come out with the word. Don't be shy so that we can have more time for ministry. Um, as we were praying downstairs, I saw this, uh, or I had this imagination that someone was wearing chains that were binding, binding them down, and it's some kind of addiction that you've been struggling with for, I don't know, for a couple of years. And God came to set the captives free, so you don't have to stick with this, uh, with this uh, addiction. God came to set the captives free, so 
that you can be set free tonight. Amen. I believe that there are people here that are carrying really heavy burdens and tonight is the night to place them at God's feet and to leave them there. So there's a confirmation. We've had two people speaking about burdens and God wanting to deal with that. Yeah, I got a word for women who had gynecologist problem. God wants to heal So those with gynecologist you know what they are. God, God wants to um, touch you and do something with you tonight. Next. Who's next? Quickly. If you've got something, share it. Yeah, Daniel. It was another picture that I saw. Like a, a woman was standing there and she had like a, a pain in her stomach and it's been because of a miscarriage or something. And it, it was very, very painful. I could just feel the pain in my stomach as well. And that God just wants to, to bless you in a way that you should wouldn't have thought about it. Um, I've got a word for anybody here who has gone over the last few days or week and there are a lot of worry and stress for a family member. I don't know if it's here or abroad, but something significant has happened and you're carrying. It is a burden, but this is related to your family. Uh, so you're really worried and this anguish that you're carrying. So I'll pray with you for that. Um, anyone who is having problem in finding a job, employment, You've been made redundant. Yes. And we know that God's going to answer your prayer. Just believe in him and have faith in him. When you pray, believe and have faith and it will be done. Amen. All right. Anyone else before we? Wonderful. Ministry team, if you'd like to go down to the front, let's stand together. We're going to pray and then we're going to release ministry and worship together. Let's all stand. Fathers, we come into your presence those of us that know that those words are for us are going to respond because tonight you want to do something about those circumstances and situations. Others of us, Lord, need a touch in different areas and as I've said, everybody is welcome to be prayed for tonight. But Father, we end on the note of praise and thanksgiving for everything that you've done for us. And Lord, we say thank you for loving us so much. Help us understand that you are worthy of all praise and all sacrifice. And as we worship you right now and come out for ministry, may supernatural miracles be done in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord and feel welcome just to stay in his presence for a while, to come forward for prayer, to respond to one of those words. Or if you just have something you'd like prayer for, now is the time for you. And we're just going to go into a time of ministry. Should you feel the need to leave, you're very welcome to leave when, when you're ready. But do stay with us for a while. Thank you. Thank you.